0: Welcome to Addressing Alaskans, where we feature community conversations around south-central Alaska. Join us on Alaska Public Media as we travel throughout our community and listen to local groups discuss what matters to them. Thanks for joining us today. I'm Amon Swenson. Today's program features the Anchorage Economic Development Corporation's 2024 Economic Outlook. The event featured a presentation on the annual report for Anchorage and discussed consumer confidence, jobs, and more. The keynote address discusses national relocation trends and talent retention. We'll also hear Anchorage Mayor Dave Bronson give an update on the city. This event was recorded on January 24th at the Denina Center and was edited for length. AEDC President and CEO Jenna Wright speaks next.
1: And now it is my pleasure to introduce Anchorage Mayor Dave Bronson, who will share how his administration is approaching economic development and his, um, city, his outlook on our city for 2024. Please welcome to the stage Mayor Dave Bronson.
2: Thank you, Jenna. I'd like to begin by sharing with you some of the key priorities of the city and the progress we've made in addressing them. First, homelessness. One of the most pressing challenges in this city is homelessness, and I'm proud to share that we have made significant strides in this area. Last year, we successfully converted three hotels into low-income housing, providing a positive step toward sheltering our most vulnerable citizens. Under my direction, the Municipal Attorney's Office supported a petition urging the Supreme Court of the United States to review the case of the City of Grants Pass versus Johnson. This case is crucial in clarifying the authority of state and local governments to take reasonable actions to address local homeless crises, and I'm proud to share that the Supreme Court will hear it very soon. This is a big thing for us. In addition... The bipartisan Next Step pilot project has successfully housed 17 individuals from emergency shelters in just the last several weeks. This initiative is a testament to our collective efforts in providing necessary support services for a seamless transition out of homelessness. Recognizing the challenges posed by unprecedented unprecedented snowfall, we are actively working to extend the emergency cold-weather shelter until the end of May, ensuring a warm and safe haven for our unsheltered neighbours. We are committed to working on code changes with the Anchorage Assembly to make our parks and trails safer and get more people off the streets and into housing. On the housing front itself, I am pleased to report progress in bringing more housing online in the Anchorage area. A landmark achievement is the amended methane gas agreement I signed with Eklutna, Incorporated. That project is set to bring approximately 1,100 new homes to the market in just Eagle River. This agreement not only enhances our community, but also acts as a catalyst for economic growth. Additionally, code changes have been passed to allow for more multifamily homes to be built, something we are eagerly looking forward to. Public safety remains the top priority. I am proud to have recently given the Anchorage Police Department the greatest or the largest raise in the history of the city. It was long overdue. This This collaborative effort aims to provide our public safety officers with the wages they deserve, aiding in recruitment and retention efforts. I am happy to announce that in collaboration with APD, we have brought back downtown foot patrols. Thank you. Through this initiative, we look to enhance public safety in the downtown business district and have already received very positive feedback from business owners that the APD foot patrol presence is already making a very positive difference. Turning now to our attention to the Don Young Port of Alaska, and boy, doesn't that sound good. Don Young Port of Alaska. My administration has received an unprecedented $270 million in funding for ongoing modernization efforts. Port is our vital lifeline. It handles a staggering 75% of all inbound cargo for the entire state, and more importantly, it supplies 90% of Alaskans with essential commodities like food, lumber, petroleum, and cement. It is in dire need of improvement. We have a detailed modernization program, and I'm happy to say it is on schedule. In response to the natural uh, gas uh, production shortage in Cook Inlet, I established the South Central Mayor's Energy Coalition. This collaborative effort aims to examine the energy requirements of South Central Alaska. Coalition is exploring potential solutions in addressing the shortage of natural gas production. As we navigate these challenges, let us remember that together we are fostering positive change and creating a community where everyone has a place to call home, where everyone can afford to call Anchorage home. So, thank you for your continued support, thank you for all that you do, and thank you for your commitment to the well-being of our great city. Thank you very much.
1: All right, well, thank you, Mayor Bronson, for sharing those important perspectives and updates on our city. It is now my pleasure to begin AEDC's presentation of the 2024 Economic Forecast Report. Before we dive into that presentation, I'd like to take a moment to thank our primary research firm, McKinley Research Group. We've been partnering with McKinley for over two decades now to bring AEDC investors and the broader community of Anchorage detailed insights into the Anchorage and Alaska economies. We sincerely value our relationship with McKinley Research Group and the professional and detailed work that they provide in our reports. All right, so now let's turn to our forecast for 2024. Today, we'll start by reviewing overall demographics and employment numbers in Anchorage before diving into four industries that are foundations of our economy. Those are the oil and gas industry, the transportation industry, the visitor industry, and the construction industry. We'll round out the presentation by tying this information together on what it means for consumers as demonstrated by purchasing power and consumer confidence. After that, I'll close us out with some general musings before we welcome to the stage our keynote speaker. So let's start by looking at high-level macroeconomic trends of the people of Anchorage as we analyze our population, working-age population, and overall employment base. The 2023 numbers are in, and our population stayed basically flat for 2023. We celebrated 3,600 babies being born, but we sadly lost about 2,200 people due to death and another 1,700 people due to net out-migration. Looking ahead, if nothing substantial changes in Anchorage, we do expect this trend to continue with a small year-over-year population decline of just 0.1%, which represents about 200 people per year. We have really exciting new developments that will be attracting some new residents into Anchorage, but demographic shifts of an aging population and steady net outmigration will likely outweigh the influx of those new residents but from an economic perspective we most often look at the segment of our population that is the working age adult population representing our potential workforce of people aged 16 to 64 a community really needs a robust working age population to experience economic growth and attract outside talent that will rely on talented labor pool to run their operations. So it's similar to the rest of the nation because in the next five years, most of the baby boom generation will be aged out of the working age population cohort and our birth rates have been nowhere near high enough to replace this aging generation. Unique to Alaska, a study done in 2021 concluded that Alaska had the second worst retention rate in the nation, with less than half of the people born in Alaska staying in Alaska long term, which is further compounding this problem for us. So we're going to talk a lot about talent attraction today, but this number really shows that we also need to be focusing considerable effort on talent retention of our bright, talented young Alaskans that are graduating from our high schools. So as we go through the rest of our forecast presentation today, and we're going to talk about some really truly positive news for the Anchorage economy, there will be this kind of constant undertone that our primary challenge is a reduction in our working-age adult population that we're observing on this slide. So next, we'll take a look at a smaller subset of our working-age population, which is the number of employed workers in Anchorage. This is an area that we are optimistically forecasting year-over-year growth as we attract outside workers into Anchorage for large new developments that we'll talk about later on. So when we're looking at um, employment growth, there are two benchmark years that we always have our eyes on. First, how close are we to recovering our pre-pandemic job levels in 2019? And secondly, how close are we to recovering jobs lost in that 2015 to 2018 statewide recession? We are currently about 4,000 jobs behind 2019 and about 10,000 jobs behind our all time job peak of 2015. Luckily, we have been gaining jobs back every year since the pandemic hit in 2020, and we're forecasting growth of 1,400 more jobs added to our economy in 2024. Based on the first two quarters of finalized wage and salary employment data for 2023, all, Anchorage, or all sectors in Anchorage gained jobs last year with the exception of government that stayed basically flat with a loss of 33 jobs and the financial services sector that lost 191 jobs. And this is likely due to continued automation and consolidation in an industry that was faced with less desirable products as interest rate hikes occurred throughout 2023. Um, one other thing to note is that although self-employment is not um, included in these numbers, we did notice that self-employment continues to see year-over-year growth and grew a notable 15% from 2018 to 2022. So now we'll go ahead and take a deeper dive into four industries that really have an outsized effect on Anchorage's overall economic health. And we'll start by looking at one of Alaska's longest-standing and most important industries, the oil and gas industry. So to measure the health of this industry, we analyzed two metrics, which are the overall production of Alaska North Slope crude oil and the price of a barrel of oil. While price swings have been volatile year over year, especially after the Ukraine war began, production has remained relatively steady. 2023 ended with a healthy average price per barrel of 82.60, but the Trans-Alaska Pipeline saw the lowest annual throughput it has seen since it became operational in 1977, with only 468,000 barrels per day on average. So we are forecasting that production is going to remain relatively flat over the next two years. We are forecasting a steady increase in volume. Um, starting in 2026, when two large new developments will begin producing oil. And those are, of course, ConocoPhillips' Willow Project and Santos' Pickup Project. Those two projects are forecasted to add as many as 260,000 barrels per day of new oil production that will offset the production declines that we're seeing in the legacy fields. And more good news in this industry, for the first time in eight years, direct oil and gas employment in Anchorage finally increased by about 50 jobs in 2023. And we're forecasting that this increased activity on Alaska's North Slope will continue to generate additional oil and gas and support services employment in Anchorage of another 50 jobs in 2024. And then as we see the construction and development finalized on the Willow and PICA projects, we're expecting to see additional jobs continue to be created, but that's, of course, in years outside of this forecast. So 1,600 jobs might seem relatively small, but keep in mind that oil and gas employment has the largest multiplier effect out of any other industry in the state. So for each direct job, the oil and gas industry supports 15 additional jobs in Alaska's private sector, and the total economic impact of this industry across the state results in nearly $6 billion in wages. So that just really showcases how influential these 50 additional jobs will be to the Anchorage economy. Next, we'll take a a look at another vital industry for Anchorage, which is the transportation industry. This category primarily contains uh, jobs driven by the activity at the airport, the Port of Alaska, and our robust network of logistics companies that are moving freight throughout the city and state. And these last few years have been really excellent for this industry, where one in seven of Anchorage's jobs are supported by just the airport alone. And in 2022, Anchorage International Airport vaulted past Shanghai to become the third largest cargo airport on the planet, Thanks to our very strategic position on the globe, where we're less than nine hours away from 90% of the industrialized world. And this global position makes Anchorage an attractive refueling stop for Asian cargo flights that are bound for North America. In 2021, we saw air cargo volume transiting the Ted Stevens Anchorage International Airport hit a record high of 3.65 million metric tons, which was fueled by increased consumer spending during the pandemic. So volumes have declined slightly in 2022 and 2023 relative to that record year, but they still remain higher than in any other year prior to 2021. And so we are forecasting stabilized volume with modest growth in 2024 as supply chains continue to readjust to pre-pandemic patterns. Exciting developments underway, such as FedEx's new sorting facility, The opening of a new Amazon distribution facility that's already added 100 jobs to our economy and Northlink Aviation's $200 million cargo facility are bringing even more infrastructure into Anchorage to support this growing sector and also to solidify Anchorage's place at the top of the global air cargo market. The Port of Alaska is another important component of Anchorage's overall transportation industry and our preliminary estimates show that Anchorage broke another record in 2023 with 5.3 million tons of cargo volume transiting our docks. In 2024, we expect that shipping through the port will continue at historically high volumes as demand for consumer goods does start to stabilize, but construction projects throughout the state support strong cement demand levels that are nearly 50% higher in 2023 as compared to 2022. So what do these new developments and record-breaking numbers mean for transportation-related employment in Anchorage? Well, I'm very happy to report that we continue to break records in this category as well, especially because it offers some of Anchorage's highest-paying wages. Our preliminary estimates show that Anchorage transportation employment has grown by over 20% in the last decade, and we're up 400 jobs from just last year. Um, Additionally, we're expecting that transportation employment will continue to expand in 2024 as we start to see the opening of new facilities like Amazon and FedEx in Anchorage, and eventually Northlink as well. Sticking with an industry that relies on our transportation infrastructure. Next, we'll take a look at the visitor industry that remains one of Anchorage's key economic drivers. 2023 was another fantastic year for Anchorage's tourism industry, which is such a vital piece of our economy. It supports one in nine jobs in Anchorage, results in over $60 million of estimated tax revenue, and drives hundreds of millions of dollars of spending at local businesses. In 2023, Anchorage saw very strong convention and meeting attendance, which indicates a rebound in business travel at the same time that non-cruise-related visitor volumes may be leveling off as the post-pandemic travel boom begins to stabilize. That said, the baby boom generation that's currently retiring or or has already retired continues to have both Anchorage and Alaska in their crosshairs as a bucket list destination that should keep demand stable and modestly growing into 2024 with a forecasted 5.7 million air passengers after this year's 5% increase that we experienced. Cruise ships are another important way that visitors enter our state from ports in Whittier, Seward, and even occasionally here in Anchorage. Following the disastrous season of 2020 and 2021, where we saw zero passengers, we started to rebound in 2022 and saw about 300,000 passengers, but 2023 was a year that this travel modality really rebounded, and we saw 415,000 cross-gulf passengers, and in 2024, we're expecting the passenger volume will increase by another 12% as cruise lines increase their Alaska-dedicated capacity. In terms of employment in this particular sector, there are conflicting factors on this forecast we are seeing continued strength in consumer spending that does support the visitor industry. And we have new exciting hotel projects currently underway, like the Downtown Aviator Hotel and the Midtown Candlewood Suites. And those are both adding jobs to this sector. But the J-1 visa exchange worker program has not quite rebounded to pre-pandemic levels, which is affecting the overall number of workers that we have in this industry. So we're forecasting that leisure and hospitality employment will increase by 500 jobs in 2024 to 17,300 jobs total, which is just slightly below our pre-pandemic levels. And next we'll turn our attention to the construction industry, which has some good news and some bad news associated with it. Um, starting with building permits. Building permits are expected to finish the year nominally higher than 2022 at $515 million. And we're expecting another nominal increase in 2020, um, 2024 of another $5 million. On the commercial side, you know, I've heard it said that construction is absolutely booming as we have general contractors, architects, and engineers enter into 2024 with large backlogs of work, and then billions of dollars of federal infrastructure funding that's waiting to greet them in the coming years. However, the speed of completing these projects will be stifled by these severe worker shortages that are inevitably going to increase project timelines. And in addition, the construction industry is still facing pretty long lead times on many types of materials that can even be up to a year out. And then on the residential side, um, unfortunately, there's just no way to sugarcoat the fact that we are in a housing crisis. Last year, we reported that 402 units of housing built in 2022, and that was nowhere near enough supply to meet the demand. And for 2023, we're estimating that only 211 units of housing were built, with only about 60 of those being multi-unit. That's only half of what we have built on average for the last seven years. And so everybody that's on this stage today is going to touch on the fact that we must retain and attract workforce to Anchorage if we want our economy to grow. And it's going to be very, very difficult to do that if we're not building enough housing to meet demand. So what do all these um, numbers mean for construction employment? Well, the increase in building permit values and the boom that we're seeing in federal infrastructure funding means that local employers will see increased demand for their services, and they'll aim to increase hiring accordingly. Um, We're reporting that construction employment increased by 300 jobs in 2023 and should increase by another 300 jobs in 2024 to 7,700 total. This will take Anchorage above our our first milestone of pre-pandemic construction employment levels, but we're still about 7% below um, the pre-2015 recession levels. And so while this increased construction activity will increase jobs, there is room for a lot more growth in this industry if we had the workforce to meet that demand. Now we'll turn our attention to residents' purchasing power and their overall sentiment toward the Anchorage economy based on all of that economic context that I just shared. Cumulative personal income continues to rise in Anchorage at a very consistent, steady rate. We are forecasting that in 2023, Anchorage residents earn $22.7 billion, which is about 60% income made at their, at their primary employment, um, 20% made from investment income, and then another 20% made from payments um, from the government, like Social Security and the PFD. So in 2024, we expect this growth to continue with Anchorage residents earning an even $23 billion. And so although we had a good year for personal income, what eats away at personal income growth? That's right, it's inflation. And we have sure had a wild ride on the consumer price index for the last few years. So we peaked at 8.1% in urban Alaska for 2022, and 2023 came down to 3.7%, which is great news. And we're forecasting that inflation will continue to decrease in 2024 as we see fuel prices steady and interest rate hikes begin to subside. So considering everything that I've talked about today, including job growth in nearly all sectors— A stabilizing rate of inflation, billions of dollars of investment being made in our state, and these record high personal income numbers, how does that make Anchorage consumers feel about the economy? Well, we partnered with Alaska Survey Research to find out, and it turns out it's a bit of a mixed bag, but they don't feel great. And in 2023, Anchorage consumers were in pretty neutral territory when considering their local economy and their personal financial situation, but they are feeling markedly bleak about their expectations for the future with only 36.8. So after compiling these numbers, this leaves Anchorage with a consumer optimism index of 43.6. So this conflict between all these positive economic indicators and negative consumer optimism is the same conundrum that economists across the country are kind of finding themselves perplexed by. And one possible reason for the phenomenon is that while inflation is definitely back to normal now, that doesn't mean that prices went back to where they were pre-pandemic or 2020. It just means that they're no longer growing at the rates that they were. So they're still high, which could have consumers feeling pessimistic about the future of the overall economy. So where does all of that news leave us? In general, 2024 is going to be a great year for the Anchorage economy. We're seeing lower inflation, higher personal income, and we're going to see job growth in most all sectors. If you know somebody who's graduating from high school or college or a technical school, or if you just simply want to try a new career yourself, there are an abundance of employers that have job openings for these people. However, the fact that we do have anywhere from two to three jobs for every one person seeking work is going to inhibit our ability to expand the economy. So when it comes to our population demographics, this is the primary concern for Anchorage. Our population is aging and becoming more dependent on future workers. And more than half of our Alaska-born citizens are eventually leaving the state. It's more important now than it's maybe ever been to focus on talent retention and attraction. We need to be doing what we can to retain the bright students that are graduating from Anchorage's high schools, as well as making Anchorage a place that's attractive to outside workforce to relocate to. We've got billions of dollars coming our way from private oil field projects, private investment, and we are seeing public infrastructure funding at levels that we haven't seen since the 80s. These dollars could either serve as a quick flash in the pan that keeps us afloat or they can be the foundation on which we launch ourselves into economic growth and prosperity through intentional retention and attraction efforts and investments in our city. So as a born and raised Anchorage citizen, I'm personally very optimistic that our best days are ahead of us as I watch all of this investment being made in the city and I get to work with local leaders every day who are so passionate about making Anchorage the best place to live, work, and play. But we do need to kind of evolve our thinking and adjust our approach to meet the demands of today's evolving economy and workforce through purposeful investments that make Anchorage a place worth choosing over another U.S. city in this fierce nationwide competition for talent. So, ladies and gentlemen, that concludes AEDC's 2024 economic forecast.
0: You're listening to Addressing Alaskans on Alaska Public Media. We're hearing the Anchorage Economic Development Corporation's 2024 economic outlook.
1: But next up, our keynote speaker is going to add some national context to many of the talent topics that I just covered. Um, And, you know, we, we spent a significant amount of time talking about how important it is for Anchorage to retain and attract talent. And we've talked about it in this luncheon as well as previous forums as well. And so how are we going to do that? It's always so easy to identify a problem, but it's much harder to identify a solution. But luckily, we do have one of the nation's experts on this topic with us here today. So it is my pleasure to introduce today's keynote presentation by Patience Fairbrother, co-sponsored by Alaska Airlines and GCI. As Vice President of Talent Attraction, Patience oversees DCI's Talent Attraction Practice Area, which helps cities, states, regions, and countries to attract the workforce of the future through custom research and targeted marketing campaigns. Prior to this role, she served as DCI's Vice President of Brand and Digital Strategy, spearheading dozens of economic development, tourism, and talent attraction brands designed to drive leads, visitation, and relocation. Patience's work has been recognized in the Summit Creative Awards, AVA Digital Awards, Horizon Interactive Awards, International Economic Development Council Excellence in Economic Development Awards, and MarCom Awards. She's been a featured speaker on place marketing research and best practices at many prominent conferences in communities from Buffalo to Birmingham, and now Anchorage, Alaska. Please welcome to the stage Ms. Patience Bearbrother. Thank you so much, Jenna.
3: Good afternoon, Anchorage. I'm so thrilled to be here with you today. This is my very first time in Alaska, so I was really stoked when I got the invitation from Jenna and the ADC team to be here today. So I do a lot of travel in my work, um, and my favorite way to explore a new city is by eating as much as I can. Um, so last night, I was over at the Moose's Tooth. Uh, do you have any fans here in the in the crowd? All right. Um, Now, I'm from New York City. So New York is arguably the the capital of of pizza, probably in the country, if not the world. Um, But the thing about New York pizza is that we're kind of snobs about it. Like, we're we're sort of purists when it comes to the sanctity of the New York slice. Um, But Anchorage does it a little bit differently, as I found out. Um, Did you know that you can get a small pizza with two completely different sets of toppings on it at the Moose's Tooth? (laughs) If I knew that I could try four different types of pizza by ordering two 10-inch pies, I would have come here a lot sooner. (laughs) You really can choose your own adventure here in Alaska. But I'm not here to talk about pizza. Um, I'm here to talk about um, talent attraction and retention, which I think um, every speaker here today has really been leading towards the importance of this this, uh, this topic. So as Jenna said, I am vice president of talent attraction. There we go. Um, At DCI, so a lot of people hear my title and they think I work in HR for my company, so I get a lot of emails about that. Um, But I actually work as a recruiter for cities uh, and states and regions and countries, so I help places to build the workforce that they need through marketing and research. Uh, My firm, DCI, is a highly specialized agency, so uh, you might never have heard of this type of profession before, but I do uh, talent attraction, economic development, and tourism marketing, and we've worked with more than 500 different cities, states, regions, and countries since we were founded in 1960. But why are we talking about talent attraction and why now? Um, I think you've already heard a lot about it uh, today and the importance of it uh, and really the challenge that employers are facing. And I know many of you here are employers yourselves, so you know just how hard the the challenge is right now to to recruit uh, top talent. Uh, But that challenge is not unique to Anchorage. It's really, it's a national problem right now um, and even a global problem, and uh, communities of all sizes are grappling with this challenge. So let's take a look at the uh, the talent landscape through the lens of the media and the headlines that we've been seeing over the last year. Um, so pre-pandemic, we were at record low unemployment across the country. Um, obviously, the pandemic upended a lot of things when it comes to our work and, and our lives. So we first saw people losing their jobs as a result. Then we saw the rise of remote work, we saw booming tech employment. Um, And then we saw what we call uh, the great resignation. So people were quitting their jobs in record numbers. Um, And it's now sort of thought of as the great reflection. So I think we all had a lot more time during the pandemic sitting around at home and for myself working, you know, just a few feet from my bed in my tiny New York City apartment to reflect on, you know, work and life and what I really want out of it. So people have been making different decisions. We're also grappling with what Gen Z, the new generation in the workforce, wants. And as it turns out, they're not uh, quite as excited about the prospect of working with these t- kind of traditional big tech companies. They're, they're looking for more work-life balance, the chance to do meaningful work. So we've been grappling with that. And then we have Insider saying that we are entering what they are calling a forever labor shortage. And that is due to surging boomer retirements, uh, workforce participation rates that have not yet recovered since the start of the pandemic, and a variety of other uh, demographic and economic factors. But the fact is, we simply do not have enough people to fill the jobs that we have open nationally. So the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics last estimate is that we have 9.6 million open jobs and only 6.7 million actively unemployed individuals to fill those jobs. So it's really, uh, it's a dire situation that we're in. Um, But as you'll see today, uh, there are a lot of really creative solutions out there. And I think Anchorage is well on its way. So before I dive into the data um, of our national survey, I'd love to do a quick poll of the audience. Uh, I believe there are 1,500 people here, so this is actually a statistically representative sample. So I'm curious to hear um, from all of you a little bit. So if you could pull out your phone um, and scan the QR code, um, hopefully everyone is close enough to a screen to grab that. And once you get there, yep, I already see the the thumbs ups coming in. So if you want to hit the thumbs up, I'll know that people are accessing the poll. So for the first question, I'd love to understand who here, uh, who who we have in the room here. So how would you describe yourself in relation to Anchorage? Are you a lifelong local? Are you born and raised? Are you a transplant? Did you relocate from elsewhere? Or are you a boomerang? Did you grow up here, go somewhere else, and then move back? All right, so far transplants are in the lead. And these results will be used to to form teams, and you'll compete against each other later. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) But the transplants are still winning, so. (laughs) You get bragging rights. All right, so more and more transplants are coming in. Looks like we have quite a few locals as well, and then some boomerangs. All right, so now I wanna understand the why. So for those of you who relocated here or relocated back, what was the primary trigger that caused you to relocate? Was it a job opportunity? Was it your spouse or partner's job? Did you wanna be closer to family? Were you looking for a better quality of life? Or is that answer not up here? All right, looks like, Largely, people came here for a job. We've got a lot in the other bucket. I know it's going to be hard to hear, but does anyone want to shout out what the other is? I'm curious. Military, OK. <laughs> a romantic involvement. <laughs> I should have put that up here. <laughs> Someone I thought was cute lived there. <laughs> All right, so it's always interesting to see for me, because we, we do this national research that I'll be talking about today. Um, where we ask people this very question and it, it's interesting to see that um, everywhere I go it's some sort of a microcosm um, of, of what we find in our national data essentially. Um, so for our last question this is a little bit of a brain teaser, but I want you to think about, you're traveling outside of Anchorage, say you're you know, uh, traveling on business or something like that, or you're talking to a friend or family member who doesn't live here, what are the first three words or phrases you use to describe it as a place to live and work? <laughs> Oh, no, cold just keeps getting bigger. (laughs) All right, we've got some other more positive terms coming in, so thank you for that. (laughs) All right, looks like we've got beautiful adventure, outdoors, mountains, boring, fishing, friendly, isolated, scenic, just moose, (laughs) fun, fun, I think this is the biggest word cloud I've ever uh, produced with this, this platform, so this is really cool. Um, we'll be able to save this, so you can take a closer look later. So, But overall, I'm saying it's, it's a bit of a mix of, of positive and negative terms, right? I think there's, there's a lot to love here, and clearly you're all passionate about this community. But we're also seeing some negative terms, and um, a lot of what we're going to talk about today is how you all can be ambassadors for Anchorage um, to try to recruit and retain the best talent here. So thank you for humoring me with that poll. Now we're going to dive into the uh, research for today. So we'll switch back over to the PowerPoint. So for the agenda for today, we're gonna talk about what inspires people to relocate uh, from our national research. Uh, What's most important to talent when they're considering a relocation? Where do they want to live? Um, Importantly, how to get in front of talent. Uh, And then throughout the presentation, I'm going to sprinkle in some case studies from throughout North America so you can get a sense for what other places are doing to tackle this challenge. And then finally, we'll close with an assessment of Anchorage, very initial assessment. So a little bit of methodology before we dive in. Um, This is the seventh edition of our Talent Wars report, and what we look at here is what we call the path to purchase. So how does somebody make the decision to relocate, and what are the top factors? Um, Relocating somewhere is a much bigger decision than purchasing a pair of shoes. So the sales cycle is a lot longer in this instance. Um, So we interview more than 1,000 working-age individuals across all industries. The only requirement is that they've relocated within the last three years at least 100 miles away. So we're talking to people who've actually recently made a a fairly significant move. So we want to start by looking at what is that initial trigger, so what we all just, uh, you all just answered my poll about. Um, So we kind of think of it as a funnel. At the very top of the funnel is the initial decision to relocate or the, the reason behind the decision. Then there's the exploration and evaluation stage, so you're weighing a variety of different factors to consider where you're going to move. And then the final decision. So our research covers each aspect of this funnel. So starting with the top triggers, our most recent uh, study found that the majority of people relocated for a better quality of life. The second most popular response was wanting to be closer to family, and then accepting a job that required relocation. So I thought it was interesting that so many of you moved here for a job opportunity. And pre-pandemic, that was absolutely the norm, and that's what our our survey found consistently. But the pandemic has ushered in this new era where quality of life is rising in importance. And so more and more people are making a move for quality of life. Um, So these top two responses have been uh, consistent since 2001, or sorry, 2021. Um, And the third response, actually, this is new since the start of the pandemic. So uh, jobs are once again driving relocation. So what does quality of life actually mean if it's causing people to move across the country or across state lines? What does it actually mean? So we asked those folks who said they moved for a better quality of life, what does it mean to you? Uh, And you'll see the word cloud up here that public safety is front and center. Uh, And it might be a little hard to see, but lots of other terms sort of relate to that theme of safety, stability, security. There's a lot going on in the country and in the world right now, and people are more than ever looking for a sense of security in the place that they choose to call home. Um, but what this, this word cloud tells us is that uh, you can define quality of life in so many different ways, and it means something different to just about anyone, so it's really about harnessing what makes your quality of life unique. So 27% of people wanted to be closer to family. That was our, our second most popular response, and this is our first case study. So this one comes from Greensboro, North Carolina, um, and I love this, uh, this particular campaign because it was very grassroots, and it was very low cost, but also effective. Um, So they recognized that they weren't necessarily going to be able to attract just anybody to relocate to Greensboro, North Carolina. It doesn't have the brand recognition of a Charlotte or a Raleigh. Um, But what they did think that they had an advantage on was attracting people back, people who grew up there, people who wanted to be closer to family. So they started building a list. They went to a series of meetings throughout the city, you know, Rotary Clubs, Young Professionals Groups, Chamber Meetings, that that kind of thing. And they started asking people, do you have, you know, a brother or a, a daughter or a friend who used to live here and that you'd love to see come back? And so they started building this really kind of scrappy list, and then they sent out these creative mailers to that list of folks. Um, and the idea was to show them Greensboro grew up, and so did you. So here's what's, what's new since you've been gone. And they were actually successful in attracting more than 200 people back to the city as a result of this very small initiative. So while it's not in the top three, I do like to point out that 14% of people said they relocated based on traveling to a location. Um, so if you apply that to the population of New York, where I'm from, that's more than a million people who visited a place and then decided to relocate as a result. So that really underscores the, the tourism connection in all of this. As we like to say, today's visitor is tomorrow's talent. So I'll share, uh, share a couple different case studies on that. So the first one comes from the state of Florida. Um, Florida is known very well as a place to vacation and as a place to retire, but not necessarily as a place to start or grow a career. And so Florida launched a national talent attraction campaign uh, called Wonderful, and what they did is they really capitalized on the fact that people know them for this amazing kind of beachy lifestyle and and retirement, um, but that you can also have a powerful and purposeful career um, and all of those different things. Um, This campaign is unique in that it's a statewide campaign, but they also launched eight regional campaigns throughout the state, recognizing that there are very different lifestyles in different parts of the state. The next case study is also from Florida, funny enough. So uh, Orlando, very well known for theme parks and, and Mickey Mouse. And this is unique in that it's one of the few examples where economic development, tourism, and talent attraction came together under a unified branding campaign. And so... They, uh, they landed on this campaign, Unbelievably Real, and it's getting at um, the theme parks, the magic of theme parks, but also that they have cool careers in AI and robotics and, and all of these different things. But the, the really unique part of this campaign is that it's consistent branding and messaging across all three of those uh, attraction pillars. So what's most important? Once somebody decides that they're going to relocate, what are the factors that they're evaluating and what's most important to them? So consistently, every year that we've done this study, so the last uh, seven years, uh, the top three responses have been consistent. So cost of living, housing cost, and housing availability are really those crucial factors. And what this tells us is that people prioritize the the practical factors over the nice-to-haves. So someone needs to know that they can afford a comparable or better quality of life than what they previously had. You'll see a variety of other factors here rate fairly high on a scale from 1 to 10, Again, safety comes up, um, you know, lack of long commute, welcoming population, healthcare, outdoor recreation, higher education opportunities, and proximity to friends or folks in the same age demographic. So a lot of these factors are important, but what's most important is that those top three, housing cost uh, and cost of living. From a career standpoint, Actually, I have a case study here. Great. So this, this case study is from Cleveland. And a unique aspect about this program is it's actually run by the tourism bureau there. So Destination Cleveland spearheads their talent attraction campaign. Um, and they take advantage of the fact that, again, people care a lot about cost of living when they're thinking about relocating. Um, so on their tourism site, the same place you would go to figure out what you're going to do when you're visiting Cleveland, they have a cost of living calculator. So they're making that connection for people who are considering visiting to, to show them what it might be like to live there. So from a career perspective, um, when people are evaluating locations, um, they need to make sure that there's a job opportunity there for them. Um, It's very unlikely that somebody is going to relocate if they don't have a job, um, despite the the numbers that you saw about quality of life driving that. People need to know that they can have employment. Um, Second, most important, is a culture of good work-life balance. Um, I'll talk about that more on the next slide, but we're seeing an increase in the importance of work-life balance overall. Uh, Salary and benefits offered in the area, and then alternative job opportunities. So what if this first job doesn't work out? Uh, what am I going to do next? And then also very important, what's my spouse or partner going to do? So is there a diverse enough industry base that um, they can also find something to do? When it comes to evaluating the job itself, um, employers in the room won't be surprised to hear that salary is the top <laughs> top factor. So money continues to, to talk from that respect. Uh, but work-life balance is close behind. You'll see that it's just 0.1%. Uh, behind there, and we've seen that rising in importance gradually over the last few years that we've been doing this study. Uh, health insurance and company benefits are also cited as highly important. We also want to understand what appetite there is for upskilling or reskilling because that's a big part of the talent picture, right? It's there's a skill set misalignment in the country right now, and so it's not just about attracting the people; it's about growing the people into the in-demand career fields. So 55% of our audience said that they're interested in upscaling opportunities and are aware of those resources in their community. 33% said that they're interested but not aware of those opportunities. So there's clearly a mismatch there um, and maybe some marketing that needs to be done around what's available. For those who said that they were interested, um, that's what you'll see on the slide here. So 76% of people who said they're interested in upskilling said they would relocate to access free training. So if there's um, on-the-job training, um, free or reduced-cost training opportunities, that's something to tout because it might actually spur relocation. And then 72% said that they would be willing to invest at their own cost to upgrade their career prospects through upscaling. Having a little trouble with this clicker here. There we go. So this case study comes from upstate South Carolina. This is the Greenville-Spartanburg area, if you're familiar. And they had a fairly aggressive talent attraction campaign pre-pandemic Um, And what they did is they decided to shift their focus um, to focusing on their internal residents and getting them into the in-demand careers. Uh, So they built this website, the purpose of which is to really share the value proposition of why you should get into these in-demand career paths. Why should I become a CNC machinist, a registered nurse, a, a supply chain analyst? These positions that are really necessary. And more importantly, how much money can I make in those positions? How many jobs are actually open? And how can I get the training that I need? So they built this sortable database of certificate programs and other avenues that folks can take to get into those uh, career paths. So remote work, this has obviously been a hot topic over the last several years. Um, So we asked people for their current work arrangement and then their preferred work arrangement. So you'll see that of those who uh, are currently working uh, remotely, 59% would like to remain remote, uh, 25% would like hybrid, and 16% would like on-site. And you'll see the, the rest of the chart there. But essentially, the takeaway here is that we believe some form of remote work or hybrid work is here to stay. But there is an increasing willingness of talent to go back to the office in some capacity. So even if your, tra- your strategy is to attract remote workers, it's still important to talk about the job opportunities available in the region. Because at some point, they might want to go back to the office. So this case study comes from Chattanooga, Tennessee. And they've had quite a journey uh, from a brand perspective. So uh, they were once called the dirtiest city in America uh, by Walter Cronkite in 1969. And they had a, a little ways to, to dig out of that, that reputation. Uh, then many years later, they were fortunate enough to be the first city in the Western Hemisphere to get gig internet. So they suddenly had the fastest internet in the Western Hemisphere. And that led to a slew of developments, including attraction of tech companies and. Um, and that kind, of, um, that kind of thing. So they were successful in branding themselves as Gig City. Now, during the pandemic, as remote work started to um, rise, they decided to piggyback on that brand that they'd already spent years building to brand themselves as the best place to work remote from the country because they have the outdoor access, but they also have the really fast Internet, which is crucial to those folks. Um, so through PR and an earned media and paid media campaign, they were able to really position themselves as this great place to live and work, and they collaborated with the tourism entity to attract people for work so to come for a couple of weeks, work remotely from your Airbnb, um, but also enjoy uh, Chattanooga while you're here. This uh, second case study, this is an example of an incentive program. so. Uh, Many of you might have heard of this phenomenon of cities or states offering cash to remote workers, so that became very popular um, really at the height of remote work, and a lot of places jumped on the bandwagon. Tulsa is likely the the most um, prominent example of that, but West Virginia also started an incentive program for remote workers. Um, The reason I, I point to this one as a great example is because they decided to make it really specific. So. They wanted to, from a tourism perspective, tout their outdoor offerings, and so they decided to tie their incentive program into attracting people who live to be outdoors. So the incentive is not just, we'll pay you to move here, it's also, we'll give you free park passes, free park gear, and access to a community of other like-minded people who love to be outdoors. And this has been a very successful example of an incentive program. So the tech layoffs, we talked a little bit about um, how that has has been one of the things that has affected the talent landscape. So we wanted to understand to what extent those layoffs are affecting broader perceptions of tech. Um, We know that Gen Z is less excited about the possibility of working in tech, and so we're kind of questioning whether our traditional tech hub's gonna begin to dissolve. Um, so, we asked those who identify as working in tech um, about the layoffs and the extent to which that will affect their decision to relocate. And 65% said that it increased the likelihood that they would move out of the state in which they currently live. So, sort of an interesting opportunity for those non traditional tech hubs to begin to attract that workforce. Um, Here's another case study, this one from Charleston, South Carolina, and they have a tech-specific talent attraction campaign. So they decided to get really targeted with their initiative, not try to be all things to all people, but they said, we really want to grow our tech sector, and so we're going to go after this. And a centerpiece of the campaign is these success stories. So it's profiling people who successfully made the move to Charleston and work in the tech space, um, and really hearing directly from them. So it's not the marketing speak. uh, You're hearing directly from folks who actually made the move and work in tech. So where does talent actually want to live? From a regional perspective, um, we ask again, where are you currently located, and then where did you you relocate to? So for the most part, on average, people are relocating within the same region. So if we look at the West, for example, 66% of people who were living in the West relocated somewhere else in the West. But then 40-some people relocated elsewhere. So there are certainly exceptions to this rule, It's just worth considering, when you think about targeting from a campaign perspective, who are you most likely to attract? It's probably going to be those within the same region of the country. Similarly, from a size perspective, um, folks tend to relocate within the same general size of community. Um, So, 60% of those who lived in a large urban area relocated to another large urban area. But then again, 40% of folks then moved to either a mid-sized city, a rural area, or a suburban area. Um, So this underscores to us the importance of regional marketing, because the more different types of lifestyles you can offer, the more that you're going to appeal to different types of people. Greater Philadelphia is a great example of a talent campaign that does a great job with regional marketing. So they represent 11 different counties across three states. So it's important to them to highlight the diversity of different types of lifestyles you can have in this region. So they have this really fun uh, interactive quiz on their website that you can go on and answer a series of questions about the type of lifestyle you're looking for, the type of housing you'd like to um, access uh, what you like to do on the weekend, that kind of thing, and then it spits out a series of results about where you should live in the greater Philly area. So how to reach talent? How can we actually get in front of people with this information? So when it comes to forming perceptions of locations, not surprisingly, the Internet is becoming more and more important. So pre-pandemic, firsthand experience was historically the top response that we saw uh, for this question. So for the most part, people want to see a place for themselves to really form a perception of it. Um, But this year, in the last two years, we've seen internet research actually rise above first-hand experience. Uh, More and more people are turning to social media, they're turning to Google uh, to form those impressions. First-hand experience still very important, again, that underscores the importance of collaboration with tourism when it comes to talent attraction. And then word of mouth and social media, in many ways I group these two together because a lot of the way that we're connected to friends and family is on social. So again, uh, back to the fact that everyone here in this room is an ambassador for Anchorage, every time you share something on social uh, about Anchorage, uh, you're connecting with uh, your friends and family who live elsewhere and that's contributing to their perception. Uh, Rankings and media coverage are also important here, but less so than internet research and firsthand experience. Uh, we also asked specifically about access to a dedicated website about living and working. And we've seen a huge uptick in the presence of these kinds of websites over the last five to ten years. Um, so just the way that you would expect to see a, a visit website when you're planning a vacation, people are now expecting to find a website about information about living and working in a particular region. And, and people say that, on, on average, it is fairly important to have. When it comes to searching for jobs... Um, <laughs> In the theme of digital rising and importance, online job board sites are the top source where people are finding new employment opportunities. And that's followed by friends and family. So people, again, are still turning to their friends and family to learn about job opportunities, followed by social media company websites. Um, So the Research Triangle in North Carolina, this is one of the the smartest areas of the country based on uh, graduates, and even they have a talent challenge, so hopefully that puts things into perspective a little bit. So they have a a talent attraction campaign called Work in the Triangle, and um, they have this great jobs board on their site that um, crawls uh, Indeed and other job boards to scrape in all of the jobs available in the region to make it abundantly clear just how many um, opportunities they have. San Diego is another great campaign. Um, They have this campaign called Life Changing, and they recognize that they were known for the beach, but not so much careers, and Life Changing focuses specifically on bioscience and tech as as the two industries that they're recruiting for. Um, They have a great social media presence. I love the Coachella-style poster on on that one side there that lists the employers in the bio and, and tech spaces. So again, making it abundantly clear that they have those job opportunities available. So tourism resources, uh, going back to, uh, again, the importance of this, people are turning, uh, in some cases, to tourism resources when they're considering relocation. So 38% of people actually visited a local or state tourism website when they made their relocation decision. Uh, Visit Baltimore is a great example of a tourism entity that does a good job of kind of bridging the gap between visitor and lifestyle content. So they have these great neighborhood guides um, that I think somebody who's considering moving to Baltimore could very easily use to decide where they'd like to live. All right, we're in the home stretch now, and now I'm going to give you a very initial assessment of Anchorage. Um, Having only been here for a couple of days and and spoken to Jenna and the ADC team, uh, again, this is initial, and there's a lot more to to discuss around this topic. So what are Anchorage's assets? Um, Your strong, diversifying economy is a huge asset. So you have a breadth and depth of job opportunities that are going to appeal to, to single people, but also folks who are moving with families who need to figure out what is my spouse or partner going to do. Um, the investment in quality of life. Um, as Jenna said uh, at one point yesterday, you need, to have a mar- you need to have a product that you can market. So you need to have a product that you're proud of to market. So in continuing to invest in important things like housing and quality of life improvements is, is really, really important. Um, the university presence. Um, having University of Alaska Anchorage here in the backyard. Yeah, shout out, shout out to the team here. Um, that's a huge asset, so you have this you know this pool of talent that is right here and and you're losing them in a lot of cases. So how can you get in front of them with information about the jobs that are available here? Um, and even as far up as as the Fairbanks campus, you know, I know you've got a lot more out of state folks uh, at that campus. How can you get them to want to stay in Alaska and, and come to Anchorage? And then finally, outdoor recreation. I think this goes without saying that this is a huge asset for you. A lot of places say they have outdoor recreation, but it's not like this. Um, So you have a great opportunity to attract the kind of people that wanna get out there in a really big way. Uh, So what are your opportunities? Uh, I've touched on this over and over again, but it's really thinking about the tourist to uh, talent pipeline. So how can you get in front of visitors that you are already doing a great job of attracting to Anchorage and get them to think a little bit about what the lifestyle here might be like, what are the job opportunities? So how can you bridge that gap for them? Student retention is huge. We talked about the importance of retaining high school students, and it's also about retaining those post-secondary students. So getting in front of them as young as K through 12 about the opportunities that are available, and I know the new program that's being developed, uh, a big part of that is getting them career ready. So that is super, super important. Potential boomerangs. I share the example of the boomerang Greensboro campaign. Um, We saw a lot of folks in this room here are boomerangs. So you moved somewhere else and you came back. So how can you get other folks who grew up here and have that kind of heartstrings pulling tie to Anchorage to come back and and build their life and career here? And then finally, veteran talent. You have this huge asset uh, with the military base being here and those who are transitioning military or veterans um, are a great talent pool to tap. So that's kind of uh, another talent pool that should be considered in this picture. So finally, how to reach talent. What what should you actually do about this? So this this would be my advice, um, these four points. Um, So identify your best bet markets and audiences. Anchorage is not gonna be for everyone, and that's okay. So you have to get really specific and targeted when you think about who you're trying to reach. So think about the regions of the country uh, that people are more likely to relocate within the same area, but also look at things like in and out migration, concentrations of alumni, where are they going, uh, your top visitor markets even, um, and really assess where does Anchorage have a competitive advantage from a cost standpoint, from a quality of life standpoint, and who are you most likely to reach. Showcasing those job opportunities is super important, because as we talked about, um, you can have quality of life for days, but people need to know that you have employment opportunities available to them. So making sure that that's abundantly clear. Supporting community development projects. Jenna touched on this right before I came on the stage, but it's super, super important that you all do your part to support the things that are not only going to improve the quality of life for residents, but also be attractive to those uh, that we need to attract here. And finally, be uniquely Anchorage. You can't be all things to all people. Um, And I think a a big part of what I've learned here today is that you all love Anchorage for different reasons, but there are a lot of common themes. So uh, go back to the three words that you entered uh, during the poll earlier today, and think about maybe if you put something negative down, how you might be able to reframe that. And your homework is, next time you're sitting next to a young professional or a college student on a plane, I want you to give your elevator speech for Anchorage. Because you all in this room are the best ambassadors that this, ha- that this community has to attract and retain talent. Thank you very much.
0: Thanks for joining us today for Addressing Alaskans and Anchorage Economic Development Corporation's 2024 Economic Outlook. You can find links to the full report on our webpage. Find us online at alaskapublic.org, the Alaska Public Media app, or wherever you get your podcasts. I had production help today from Tobin Shelby. I'm Ammon Swenson. Thanks for listening. Addressing Alaskans is a production of Alaska Public Media, which is solely responsible for its content. Theme music is by Patrick Lee. The views expressed are those of the hosts and participants and do not reflect KSKA or its underwriters. To let us know about an upcoming community event that you would like to hear on Addressing Alaskans, go to our website at alaskapublic.org and click on Contact Us at the bottom of the page. Life Informed. This is Alaska Public Media.